Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking. Welcome to this edition of The Light Breaks Through. I am your host, Keith Haney. It's conceivable the systems you're operating under and culture are crushing you, and you need consolation. In this time and season, you may be asking and seeking for inspiration. The goal of this podcast is to give you inspiration, practical solutions, and challenging conversations with a wide variety of related topics and knowledgeable guests. If you're not engaged in a local church, I pray this podcast will encourage you to seek out that deeper connection with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The world is changing and our ministry methods, not our beliefs, need to, re- need to reflect that. This may stretch you beyond your comfort zone, but you will never lose sight of who sits on the throne. So sit back, put on your seatbelt, and get ready for transformation. Today's podcast is about grief. It's been about five years since my I got that phone call that my mom had passed away. That event set into motion months of depression and guilt. You wouldn't think death could shake a pastor's faith, but this one did. And I struggle with not being there for her, not having that one last conversation, not being able to save her. I had done many funeral services, but my mother's death totally changed how I understood death and grief. I finally, for the first time, understood grief. Her death made me a better pastor, a better comforter for the grieving. What I learned is that separation naturally raises a sense of loneliness. This opens a door to many questions that so many of us have and that flood our minds. It forced me deeper into scripture to find hope and comfort for my troubled soul. We're living in a season of death and loss with COVID-19. And many of those who are left behind are struggling with questions of doubt and uncertainty. People experiencing loss of loved ones often in very difficult and lonely situations. There's a state of loss about jobs, careers, family, a sense of what comes next. The words of Jesus are intended to calm those anxieties and ours. Today, we're going to talk about grief with my guest, Mike Newman. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Keith. Great to be with you. So Mike has been a pastor since 1987 and currently serves as president of the Texas District of the Elizabethan Church Missouri Senate. He has served Toko congregations for over 20 years before spending 10 years helping to start new churches in the Texas district as a mission strategist. Pastor Newman is an author of many books, journal, articles, and Bible studies. His latest books are Hope When Your Heart Breaks, Navigating Grief and Loss, and Gospel DNA, Five Markers of a Flourishing Church. In 1983, Pastor Newman received his BA degree from Cordy University, Ann Arbor, Michigan majoring in philosophy 
and biblical languages. He received his Master of Divinity degree from Cordia St. Louis, uh, Missouri, in 1887. He has been married to Cindy for, since 1983. They have been blessed with two wonderful daughters and their families. In his spare time, you might catch him hanging out with his family or running a few miles on the Texas roads or enjoying a good book. Thank you again for welcoming us to Mike today. I'm going to give you a, a good, simple question to kind of get you going. Um, what's the best advice someone ever gave you? All right. It's a great question, Keith. I like how you get things started. And I'm going to share three things because I can never just share one. I mean, my family tells me I can never just share one thing. So first best advice I ever got, and this relates to our topic, I think all of, all of them do. Cinch by the inch, trial by the mile. That was good advice. And I used that with my kids as they were doing big projects or homework or going through difficult times. I said, hey, it's a cinch by the inch. Take it a little bit at a time, just one little bite, one little moment, but a trial by the mile. So if you try to take in the whole thing or worry about the whole thing, it's going to be a big burden. So that that is good advice. The next little piece of advice I got was love one another. And you know who said that? Jesus said that. And that does that sound familiar? It does. And it sounds simple. But man, I'll tell you, even when you're going through hard times and grief, just to love each other, just to show love is so critical and important. And during these crazy times we're going through today. And the, the final one I'll give you is be strong and courageous. So that's another one you're familiar with from, uh, you know, words to Joshua when he had a big daunting task. And uh, our strength, of course, is found in our Savior, Jesus. And so he gives us that. So those are the, those are the best pieces of advice I've received. Those are pretty good. I like those. <laughs> so you've written a book on navigating grief and loss. What motivated you to write this particular book? Well, honestly, uh, so the publisher called me and said, hey, Mike, uh, would you write a book on grief? And I, I thought, oh, interesting. Um, I had to think about it. You know, I had to really ponder, should I do that? And then uh, I started thinking a little bit about my life. So, you know, you talked about your mom's death and how that really shaped you and shaped your heart. And I looked at my life a little bit, kind of praying about this, saying, Lord, why would you want me to write a book on grief? And when I was a kid, had a very terrible, well, gosh, there was a lot of death in my family. My mom's family was really huge, big family, big Greek family. My grandpa was an immigrant and uh, he came over, uh, like many immigrants, start their own business. He hustled on the streets in Chicago selling produce. He opened a grocery store. Then he went into the dry cleaning business. And uh, he was rooted on the west side of Chicago. And in the early 70s, a couple of guys on a crime spree came into his store and shot him and he died. So he was murdered. And that was just the beginning of some real traumatic experiences of grief in my life. So, you know, all the shootings that happen nowadays and everything, suddenly I say, wow, OK, you know, I really understand what people are going through when someone steals a precious life from them. And then uh, my life is pretty turbulent. In addition to other losses of friends and family members, my parents had a very, very troubled marriage. They ended up being divorced. And so as I looked at my life, I thought, well, you know, I didn't like all this at all, but maybe God has seasoned me and prepared me to understand the valley of grief. 
And so I said, okay, I'll go there. And I let the publisher know I'll write a book and I'm going to write a book from the Valley. And so this, this book I wrote, Nav, uh, Hope When Your Heart Breaks, really are just little, they're 52 little tiny devotions. And you don't read the book in order. You just go to whichever way you're feeling, like I'm angry at God, or I need hope, or I don't even look forward to waking up tomorrow, those kinds of things. And you could read a little bit. There's a little bit of scripture, some prayer starters. And the whole idea is when you're going through the valley of grief, you need a lifeline. And as a pastor, I've talked to people going through difficult times. And, you know, we pray together, we talk together. You know what it's like. You send them out of your office and then you go, oh, man, I wish they had something else to hang on to. Right. And I wrote this book to give them that lifeline so that when they wake up at two in the morning and they feel like they have no hope because of this broken relationship or this loss in their life, they can open up the book and go, here's what I need right now. And it's filled with God's word that refills and restores our hearts. So that's that's the motivation behind the book. Yeah, I, I checked out a couple of chapters and I, I res- resonated with one in particular. So you said jump to the, the part that hits you. And it was on page 68. And it's the one you titled, When Life, When Your Gifts Seem Wasted. And I remember not long ago being in that valley you just talked about as we were going through a transition in career and just kind of feeling like Jeremiah going, you know, all the all the gifts you've given me, God, just seem like they're being wasted right now. How do I get back on track and get out of that valley. And I love that idea of writing from the valley. So as you look at your own life, how did you come out of that valley? What what guidance did you have that got you through that valley situation? Yeah. And, and you know, you, you know what it's like to think you're in the exact place at the right time. God has poised you for this moment. Your future lies ahead of you. And your list, the listeners know what that feels like in a variety of situations. And the next step seems not only logical, but it seems like God's doing it, you know? And right. then kaboom, the bottom drops out, the rug gets pulled out from you. And what do you do? You know, the answer for me, and I think for listeners ultimately is it's God's grace, the hand of God. Um, that's, this is actually I have a couple little books coming out after the first of the year, and it's not necessarily skills or coping mechanisms, but God gives in his grace gifts to people in the valley who are in the pit of grief. You can't pull yourself out. I mean, it's just punishing, isn't it? Right. You can't say, oh, well, I'll just tap into another little resource. I mean, you are slain. You are broken. But God in his grace, I think, is just holding on. And he's there with you in the pit and he slowly gives you gifts, you know, his word to replenish you, um, the gift of prayer to cry out to him, just like Jeremiah did. Jeremiah literally was thrown into a pit, you know, and so. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think those are the things where it's really God who just lifts you out over a period of time, gradually. And that's the message I think every grieving person needs to hear that if you try to handle it on your own, it just isn't going to work. You know, you're going to it's going to turn into anger or resentment or bitterness. It's going to poison your life. But if you say, Lord, just Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, you know. So you just say, Jesus, can you carry this load? Can you show me the way through the darkness? And he's faithful. He does it. Right. 
I remember a couple of years ago, I preached on a sermon series about life in the valley, or God with us. And that particular Christmas series, Revan series was about the Valley of Baca. Mm-hmm. And and it talks about how in the Valley of Baca, the, it's, it's the lowest point in the last part of your journey and the toughest part of your journey. But in that toughest part of the journey, those who are heading to Jerusalem found strength. And like you just said, they found strength by looking to the hills, looking up to Jerusalem, and they knew they're going to be in the presence of God soon. And so that gave them added energy for their journey. So that idea of coming out of the valley, like you just said, and looking and focusing on God to find strength is what gets us out of the valley. That's that's profound. Thank you. Yeah, there, you know, the promise. Yeah, exactly. There, there's, a, there's a promise in the middle of your lowest points that God gives. And uh, man, there's nothing else. You know, when you lost it all, there's nothing else but his promise. So, yeah. So I'm sure in this season, you've seen a lot of people dealing with a lot of grief. And I like the fact that your book doesn't just focus on one kind of grief, but you hit grief from all different levels. So for someone who is in this COVID-19 dealing with loneliness, kind of what what words do you have for them that would give them some courage? Yeah, and that's that's. I'm glad you mentioned it because the purpose of the book is really to cover the spectrum of loss. So, whether it's loss of a job, loss of someone you love, loss of a pet, um, loss of a lifestyle. That's what we're really we're. I mean, in COVID, everything's covered, isn't it? There are people who are who have lost their jobs. There are people who have lost loved ones and haven't even been able to be with them. Uh, there are people who have lost their wedding ceremonies or special gatherings. Uh, there are people who have lost the ability to be with friends and socialize. And my father-in-law is a real social butterfly. He's a, he, he's elderly and, uh, but he's an extrovert and uh, he, he's made all kinds of friends in our little community. They live around the corner. My wife helps him and uh, my mother-in-law has dementia. So there's another loss, you know, they're experiencing and we're all experiencing but he's just really hurting because he can't talk to people and be with people. So, yeah, what's what's the solution? You know, gosh, I, I guess I'd have two answers. One, I encourage people to, again, hear the promises of God and go to him in prayer and cry out to him. You know, the psalmist said, how long, O Lord? <laughs> I think we can pray that during this crazy time. How long, O Lord? And please sustain me and please give me strength. And uh, tap into community, the gifts. Part part of the gifts I talk about in uh, my new book are really these gifts God gives. So you know, one of the gifts is community. And churches are meeting online, and there's Zoom kind of opportunities. I think that's the church has really ra- uh, stood up and they've risen up to reach people through uh, technology, which is really great. Which is what you're doing on this podcast. That's a real lifeline. Uh, I think the other lifeline is this uh, walking with God in prayer and clinging to him and his word in hope. Uh, another thing I think that's really important is to lean into this grief. Don't internalize it. Uh, you know, you might remember uh, the movie Captain Phillips. It's uh, yeah, yeah, really, really good movie. If uh, listeners haven't seen it, it's this captain of the freighter that's hijacked and He's taken hostage and his life is threatened until Navy SEALs, you know, rescue him at the last minute. It's very, very moving. He finally gets pulled out of this little lifeboat that he's being held captive in back onto a Navy destroyer. 
and they bring him on board. He's safe. This long ordeal is over. And suddenly he just starts crying, just weeping. And he said it happened a few mornings. He would get up and just start weeping. And, you know, he's a man. He's a tough guy. He says, I'm going to hold this in. I'm not a baby. I don't want to cry. And uh, he talked to one of the uh, helpers on board, a psychologist, I think, who was there to help him. He had some physical wounds as well. They had medical staff. And the, the psychologist said, hey, listen, here's what I tell soldiers and people who have gone through traumatic times. When you start crying like that, just give into it. Just weep. Just let it go. Because it's your body's way of purging the chemicals even that build up under times of stress. So I would say for folks going through this, lean into the grief and pain. If you got to cry, cry. If you got to yell at God a little bit, yell at God. Um, don't try to stuff it inside. Talk to a friend, uh, phone call, Zoom, whatever, because not only will it help you physically get rid of the chemicals that build up during times of stress, but emotionally and spiritually, it'll allow you to process this, see your real needs and walk through it well. So that, that's a couple couple things people can do. You know, I think one thing people, you, you mentioned some, you know, pour into it, but people kind of want to know, well, how long is this going to last, Pastor? So you you got you wrote this book on grief. Give me kind of a timeline. Is this going to be a three-month process? Is it going to be a two-month process? Is there a timeline we can expect to get over the grief? <laughs> what I like to tell people, and that's a, that's a great question because we hate going through pain, right? Right. What you're going to find is that all your friends want you to get through it really fast. So you, it could be over with like, Hey, are you done now? You know, is this, are you finished with that old relationship sadness? Uh, are you, you know, it's been a week. Come on. We're ready to have fun. I mean, that's kind of hard because people are not long suffering when it comes to your grief and pain. And that's one difficulty of our culture. Uh, it's hard to find people who really walk with you on the whole journey. And that's why I like to tell people about how long is this going to last? We live in a microwave culture which means everything's fast, you know, pay at the pump, drive through, boom, 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 online speeds. We get frustrated if it takes a second, you know, to download. But grief is a crockpot proposition, slow cooker. It's a long-term type of thing. You've probably given similar advice to folks you've ministered to. You know, when someone loses a loved one, I say, you know, after year one, you'll, you may be at ground zero to start even this journey. So it's a long time. And, and think about it. Like, if it's a loved one you've lost, man, that's a precious person. You know, th like, think of your mom. You don't want to just say, hey, after a week, okay, I'm done. Happy, go lucky. I mean, here's an important person in your life. You want to hold her in your heart for years and years and years to come, your whole life. And so I like to compare it to slowly, moment by moment, day by day, you're, you're facing this loss head on. But as the days go by, as the prayers are prayed, as God ministers on your heart, as you receive the blessings and encouragement from others, as you see purpose in your life again, you slowly turn away from that loss and you're not looking at it head on all the time. It's always in your peripheral vision, but gradually you see a new horizon, a new day, and you carry the lesson with you that actually, like you said, it made you a better pastor. It grows your heart. So, you know, it's with you for a lifetime. I was listening to, uh, oh, uh, 
someone who has appeared in films and, you know, good Hollywood star. And he said he lost his brother. And he said, you know, he said, since I lost my brother, I'm about 50% melancholy every day. Wow. I thought, man, what a, what a, you know, that that's a tribute to his love. And it also shows that, you know, this is a lasting imprint, but we can use it for good and be more authentic and caring and loving, understanding and listening with people. So this is part of your life now and you're going to walk with it all the time. Yeah, I, I think the the scripture where it says the weeping turns into joy or laughter. You can you know you've kind of turned the corner when that that melancholy, you can reflect on that person and there is some joy. You can remember the good times. I mean, the sadness may still be there, but really the the weeping is replaced by laughter, by joy and you can you can remember those people with fondness, even though there's still a hole in your life. You're right. You're right. That's the last chapter of the book says, don't read this until you're ready. <laughs> there is a time, you know, there is a time when you can take a deep breath and, and you'll find yourself laughing again. You'll find yourself looking ahead and you can't rush it. You can't predict it, but it will happen. And, uh, and that's the great hope. I think that that verse in the Psalms brings that your weeping will turn into laughter and your mourning will turn into dancing. But uh, in the meantime, take it step by step and uh, wrap your arms around your grief and move forward. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors for Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile and you won't ever have to worry about big tech or big brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code Bridge Builders to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number four, freedommobile.com. So we know that grief is one of those emotions that's part of this, the, the sadness. What other issues are people dealing with, maybe even overlook when it comes to grief? Oh, uh, you know, so, you know, the, the Kubler-Ross study about the stages of grief and, and uh, they really reflect the emotions, too. So uh, it's really important to understand that you're going to you're going to feel anger. You're going to experience uh, perhaps depression. There will be frustration. Sometimes there will be this drivenness to be busy, you know, to kind of forget about things. The important thing, if you've expor- experienced the loss, is to make sure you remember it. So when you wake up in the morning and you say, I just don't feel like doing anything. And I don't even know if I want to face the day. You say, wait a minute, what happened here? What's the condition of my heart? I'm grieving a loss. Or if you really feel agitated all the time and you're losing your temper easily or kind of getting angry when you wouldn't be angry, you go, wait a minute, I lost somebody. And this is important for like parents to watch in their children. So if they're, if young people or children go through 
a loss. They need to watch and see the variety of emotions, you know, being expressed and, and remind, you know, the kids or your friends or others, Hey, remember, remember you got a loss still looming in your life. That fog is still there. Could that be behind these emotions? And you just got to remember that, you know, why do I cry so easily these days? Well, you know, cause you've got that loss lingering loss in your heart and it's, it doesn't disappear, like I said, after a week or two weeks or a month, but it lingers there and it's going to affect you in a variety of emotional ways. That's why you got to take it slow, be careful, be a little extra thoughtful, get some counsel from people you trust. Um, you know, if you suddenly want to sell everything you have and move to another island country or something, you know, maybe a friend is going to say, are you sure this isn't related to the grief you just experienced? Maybe you should just take a breath and not make any changes right now. And so you're right on target. I mean, there's a host of emotions that surface. I was talking to my wife about some people she knew who went in 9-11. And they say they can feel the tension and the sadness as that date approaches. I think with people who are dealing with grief, we may try to forget about it, but there are still certain dates that will keep up on us. And we go, why am I sad? So I actually put on my calendar the day my mom died. So like you just said, so when that day comes, I'm not surprised by why am I sad today in the middle of April? <laughs> you know, it's like this. I should be. It's a sunny day. The, the skies are out. The birds are singing. Why am I sad? So I mark those days in my calendar to kind of warn myself be aware that this may be why you're sad today. Man, that's a great example and great insight. And I think people should follow your example. They should even follow your example. Uh, so if you're in a family situation or with a friend, that's a perfect time to reach out to a friend or even to prepare your kids like, hey, you know what next week is. So let's just take a breath. And I always like to tell my kids, the devil's on the prowl. He's going to try to bring you down and steal your joy and make things miserable. So get ready. We're approaching blank, and it may be a day where there's some loss or grief. Uh, it's going to be the holidays. You know that. I mean, that's oh, yeah. right away. So you know when they're coming. And I think that's a really wise idea that I hope every listener follows, Keith. Yeah, thank you. So you say you have another book coming out. Tell us a little bit about the new books that are coming out. Yeah, so this is kind of exciting. These are very short. So again, as I try to make this one fairly brief and accessible. It's got those 52 devotions, but then the next one coming out is even shorter. It focuses on eight gifts God gives for your journey of grief. And it's only, I think, 64 pages. So again, for a person who's grieving, you don't have a lot of energy to pour through a huge book. And this is, again, going to be a lifeline. The idea is when a person says, okay, what's next for me? I, I'm, I'm tired of being in the valley. This unfolds some basic gifts God gives you to bring you through the journey back to what you were talking about, like the, I, I can laugh again. And there's going to be a version for adults and a version for young people or youth. So the youth version, just a lot of quick statements, things they can grab hold of that can carry them through difficult times. And I, I'll just give you a sampling of the gifts. So it starts off with the gift of conversation, which is really God speaking to you through the word and you speaking back to him in prayer. 
man, what I think that's a foundational gift when you are grieving. You got to hear from him. You got to just hear his promise. And then you can let it all loose to him and talk to him about anything. The second gift is forgiveness. So people might say, what? Forgiveness? But I didn't, you know, what did I do? Well, like you were saying, after your mom died, man, the guilt rushes in, doesn't it? So so forgiveness is one, letting go of the burdens and saying, God, you got to carry these for me. That's what forgiveness literally means to let go of. But it also means dealing with the guilt that rushes in when you you have a loss in your life and to understand that God cleanses you and that it's a new beginning, that he has mercy and grace on you. And then we move through some other gifts. Like I think one of the most challenging ones is faith because people get mad at God and they say, I don't even want to go to church. And what, why should I have anything to do with him? And the book talks about faith not being this, this mindless devotion to God who you feel wounded by, but faith is really a gift God gives as it, the Bible describes it as a shield. It's armor. And it's actually what protects you during your time of grief. So it takes you through these eight gifts, uh, talks about purpose, and I hope will will be another lifeline to carry people through to say, okay, ah, I'm ready for life again. So it's going to be exciting to see those come out. You have a title for those books so we can look for them? Yeah, let's, uh, you know, um, again, titles, <laughs> ebb and flow. It's going to be something like gifts from God for your journey through grief. Okay. I, I don't know about exactly. We'll see probably in a couple of months what, it, what it'll be, but it'll be on, on my uh, website. It'll be publicized all over. I hope it's in the other book was in Barnes and Noble and some bookstores, Target, Walmart. Uh, I hope this one gets distribution, but if you go to mnewman.org, M-N-E-W-M-A-N.org, uh, you'll see it when it comes out. Cool. Have a race date in mind? Um, I think it's after the first of the year, but I don't know okay. the exact date. Yeah. All right. We'll be looking yeah. for that. Thank you. Okay. Anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Well, I, I think, uh, let me share a verse with, with everybody. I think one of the most important verses in the Bible and foundational to the book I wrote, Hope When Your Heart Breaks, is Psalm 34, 18. It's, it is, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I love that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Man, it's just so good to know we're not alone and that God will rescue you when you feel absolutely crushed. So I would just say to listeners, don't be afraid of grief. It, it, it is terribly painful. Don't minimize it. No one can minimize it. But it will grow a deeper level of understanding and life in your heart. And uh, I do pray. I'm sorry people have to go through this, especially during this time. We see it going on. But I uh, just want to let people know there is hope. There is help. God is real. He brings us through. And guess what? You and I, Keith, we are evidence, right? Evidence. Right. Yeah. So that's people can say, hey, we've been there. We continue to be there. And uh, there's hope. Well, thank you, Mike. I'm going to close this out with some words from your own book that I found particularly helpful. Uh, the greatest meaning in your life may not be what in what you do, but in how Jesus meets you where you are. Jeremiah knew God needed him to serve in a thankless and heartbreaking role, but he was confident with God would never abandon him on the arduous journey. I think for us in this time, 
we, we look at things around us and we're very maybe discouraged by life, by situations, by politics. And we need to be reminded that we're not here without a purpose, but that God has a plan for all of our lives. And so I thank you for coming on and, and sharing your heart with my, my listeners and your, your book and your books to come. So we'll look to see those. Uh, where can we find you at on social media if we want to keep connected with you? Yeah. So Facebook, Michael W. Newman, Twitter, Michael W. Newman, uh, Amazon author page, Michael W. Newman and website. All, all the links for social media are on my website, mnewman.org. Well, thank you for what you do for the church and for people with your writing and your encouragement. So I just want to thank my amazing guest today, Mike Newman, for having the courage to share a story. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you want to go deeper, you can follow my blog with the same title, The Light Breaks Through, at www.alightbreaksthrough.org and get similar content sent right to your inbox. In the meantime, you can follow and subscribe to this podcast and take time to review and rate it. Leave a review for me. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I invite you to share this podcast with your friends, especially those dealing with grief on social media. Thanks once again for taking this journey with me on this life transformational journey. Thank you, Mike. Have a great week. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bkeithhaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadPin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.